When ancient Greeks would travel to battle, their armies, as they were organized in phalanx formations, would sing war battle hymns designed to evoke the name of Apollo to calm their nerves as they pressed forward to war. And then once they were in a striking distance of their enemy, they would change their song and have a full-throated cry called alalas, which were designed to strike fear into their enemies. They would bang their spears on their shields to mimic screeching birds. These songs were so well known that the ancient poet Pindar wrote this in the 5th century B.C. Hear me, Alala, daughter of Ares, prelude of the spears, you to whom men fall as offspring of their homeland in death's holy sacrifice. Greek soldiers attacked their enemies with these cries to cause panic and fear. They were war songs. And you, you know, we actually see this same type of war song being used in Scripture. In 1 Samuel 17, David's father Jesse sends him to give food to his brothers. And when he approaches, it says that the two armies were encamped and they were shouting a loud war cry as they drew together for battle. As we come to Psalm 124, we must understand where the where the psalm comes in the placement of the Psalter. It is in a group of psalms that are called Psalms of Ascents. And in these Psalms of Ascents, there are individual and corporate laments, songs of confidence and thanksgiving, songs celebrating Zion, like Psalm 122. And what Jewish scholars believe is that there's there's really two different instances of when these songs would be sung. One would be in the, in the temple or in certain rooms of the temple. Or some Jewish scholars even say these were songs sung by the people as they returned from exile. But I think, and what is predominantly thought, is that these psalms were actually sung by God's people as they traveled yearly from all over Israel to Jerusalem to offer their yearly offering and sacrifice. So you can imagine the people of God traveling together from all over the country, singing these psalms in a warlike fashion as they march to Jerusalem to call upon the name of Yahweh. As we also should see in Psalm 124, it is written by David. And we always have to ask ourselves two questions when we see a psalm written by David. Is David writing this hymn as a representative of Israel before God? Or is David writing this psalm as a representative of God to his people? And as we will see, this is clearly a psalm of David writing what the ideal Israelite, what a faithful Israelite should sing. 
what a faithful Israelite should believe as they come to call upon the name of Yahweh. And as what we will see is, in effect, Psalm 124 is some type of warlike hymn. The people should be bound together as they sing this hymn to do two things. One, come before God and give them peace as they enter into his holiness. And two, God's people can sing Psalm 124 for all the world to hear who God is. Let's look at the first few verses. Psalm 1, 124, 1 through 3. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel say, if it, not, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, when people rose against us, they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger kindled against us. These people rose against them. It's as if they were a large beast, large enough to swallow them whole in one bite. Or as we see in verse 6, a, pr- a predator that bites its prey with its teeth. One of these analogies is short and sweet. We, we, they would have been swallowed up, and that would be the end of it. The second one is they would have been bitten. And when you're bitten by something, you have to feel its burn and its sting. And it takes a long time. And so we see these two analogies of what should happen to God's people if God had not been on their side. If God, Yahweh, the creator of the heavens and the earth, is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, this psalm allows God's people to sing it together and say, if it weren't for God, we should not be here. He is with us. Let us join together and sing, God is with us. He is faithful. He is our present hope because of what he has done in the past. He is our future hope because what he has done for us in the past. He is faithful to his covenant promises. He is our God and we are his people. The Bible, this Narrative. This grand narrative of the story of God and his creation reveals to us on every page. God is with us and he is faithful to his people. On every page, we read the story of the true hero of scripture, God himself. He is the one that saves us. We do not save ourselves. He sought us when we were helpless. He saved us when we should have been swallowed up, when we should have been bitten, when we should not have escaped the snare. God is with us. He provided the animal skins for Adam and Eve. He provided the ark for Noah and his family. He provided the promised son to Abraham. 
He provided Moses, the leader, to lead his people out of Egypt. He provided the judges who saved Israel time and time again. He provided David to show the people what a true king should look like with justice and grace and righteousness. He provided the prophets so when Israel left, he called them back because he is faithful. This song was to be sung as God's people gathered together to remind them of what the Lord has done for them. This is who God is. He is our Savior. Without Him, we have no hope. He is by our side. Do you believe this, Israel? This is what David is calling the people to believe. Say it. Say it with me. Do you believe this? Because it's true. The Lord is with us. If it had not been for the Lord, we're done for. And as God's people, we have a hard time doing this. We fail at doing what this psalm calls us to do. To remember the Lord's faithfulness. To believe that God is here with us by our side. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it is so hard to believe that God is faithful when he has shown his people over and over and over again throughout every single story Why is it hard to believe? For as faithful as David is in calling us in this psalm, what this psalm also reveals to us is our faithlessness. We cannot do this. We cannot do what this simple Psalm calls us to do because of the sin in our hearts. Because the desires of our hearts desire false idols. Because the desires of our hearts, I mean, if you're like me, what I tell myself in silent is, I'm the true hero. I'm the only one that can save myself. I'm the only one strong enough to defeat my enemies. I can say no to sin if I really wanted to. Next time I find myself in a tough situation, I'll be strong enough to to say no. Next time when I'm tempted, sure, I'll do it. Next time things will be different. I won't cheat. I won't steal. I won't fill in the blank. Because if you're like me, as soon as we sing a psalm like 124, my heart's desires start whelming up in in me and I show my own unfaithfulness, even when I should believe in God's covenant faithfulness. Which story do you tell yourself? That you are your own hero? It's exactly what the people in the Old Testament did. 
Over and over again, we see God Almighty as the hero of the story. And what did God's people do? We got it. We don't need God. What, What are the people, as soon as they left Egypt through the Exodus, we want to go back. This psalm reminds us of the depths of our own depravity. That even when God has shown himself as faithful, we don't want to believe it because we think we are faithful. David is calling Israel, the people of God, to say this aloud because we need to be reminded God is the faithful one. Not us. If God were not on our side, we would be dead. It is God's own people that Elijah, as John has preached about Elijah, it is God's own people. Ahab was a king of Israel. He is calling his own people to return to Yahweh. Because they were unfaithful and God was faithful. He had called his own people, turn away from your sins, put away the idols. I am the true living God. And yet for us, God did not only send Elijah. God sent one greater than Elijah to point us back to himself. It was Jesus who came to show us the way back to God. It was in him. It was through the faithfulness of Jesus that we can be seen as faithful. Jesus is the way to the Father, not through our own strength, our own conviction, our own desires. It is through Jesus Christ that we are able to sing this song as the faithful people of God. Jesus is the only Savior of our story. It was in Jesus that our covenant faithfulness, our covenant unfaithfulness, is received and seen by God the Almighty, the Holy One, as faithfulness. And then in Psalm 124, I've kind of saved this for last, and I really want us to see the imagery of verses 4 and 5 and the importance in the biblical narrative of what this means. Verses 4 and 5 of 124, Then the flood would have swept over us, and the torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Now, there are many commentators that believe that these are speaking of warlike images of when people came to battle, such as in 2 Samuel 5 and Isaiah 8. But even if that is true, even if verses 4 and 5 are speaking of a warlike way in which armies sweep like a water over their enemies, Even if that is true, for God's people, this should evoke 
in them the remembrance of two different events, at least two different events. The first is in Genesis 6 and 7, where we see God's people saved while God's judgment fell upon their enemies. The second is Exodus 14, when God's people were saved through the waters and the Egyptians were judged by those same waters. Just last week, John spoke about one of the ways that God shows his judgment is through the consuming fire as it comes upon the sacrifice on the altar. And rightly so, God uses fire to show a sign of his holy judgment. But God also uses water to show a sign of judgment. But what's interesting, I'm going to make a a little bit of a leap here. You're going to have to trust me. If you want to talk to me, come talk to me after this. I I have hours to talk to you about this if you want, but I don't have hours this morning. There are two times in the New Testament when New Testament writers speak about the flood and speak about the exodus, and they speak of them as baptisms. 1 Peter 3 and 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Peter 3 speaks of how Noah and his family were saved, and it was baptism that saved them. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul speaks of how the people, the Israel, when they came out of Egypt, were baptized into the name of Moses. So you see, baptism has a dual role in Scripture. For God's people, baptism is a sign of covenant blessing. And for God's enemies, baptism is a sign of judgment. The people, Noah and his family were saved out of the water. The Egyptians were saved as they walked through dry ground, but the baptismal waters judged the Egyptians because they were the enemies of God. In Mark 10, Jesus speaks of his second baptism, of the cup of judgment that he has to drink. And he is speaking, he was referring to this baptism of his crucifixion upon the cross. On the cross, Christ was baptized for us because he received God's judgment. And that is why we can come and receive the waters of baptism as covenant blessing. Because God's judgment has fell upon Christ, our Savior. The waters should have swept us away. The torrent and the raging waters should have come over us. But the judgment waters of God fell upon Christ and the cross so that this water can be to us a blessing. Because God is the hero of the story. It is the name of Jesus that we cry. Do not be terrified. Church, Jesus is on our side. Let's say it together. Jesus is on our side. We do not have to be afraid. The faithful one 
took the judgment that we deserved so that we can receive God's blessing. How are you afraid? How has your sin swept over you? Because in the gospel, Christ has taken that burden upon himself and set you free. Just as the Israel walked through the Red Sea, they walked into new life as they served God. Christ has taken the judgment that we deserve for our sins. If you're trying to win your own battles, you won't. If you're trying to confess that you are the hero of the story, you're not. It's Jesus. And as the psalm teaches, we do this together. We sing this song together because sometimes one of us will forget. Two of us, 50 of us will forget. And we need the three or four or 10 or 20 to remind us Jesus is on our side. He is the faithful one. As we come each week, we take this war song and we sing it together because our enemy has been defeated in Christ. We also sing this song in anticipation because God has shown himself as faithful in the past. Therefore, he is faithful in the future. As the people of God walked to the temple To praise the name of Yahweh, the covenant name of God, we wait in anticipation to sing in the song, to sing these songs in Zion when Christ returns. And then we'll have a feast because God is faithful. We sing this in corporate worship, marching together side by side as we await the return of our King. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear your voice. Jesus is on our side. To him be the glory forever. Let's pray. Father, may we stand together this Lord's day and praise and call upon the name of Jesus for the great things that he has done. It is nothing that we have done, but through Christ in me. Amen.